This is a HeadGum Podcast. Welcome back to the Throwback Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by my bosom buddy, Bob Castro. And hey, Bob! Hey, Dan. How are you? I'm very excited to be back at it again, the Throwback Podcast, uh, which, if you're not aware, is a show in which every week we revisit an album from our past, go through it track by track, and we reminisce. Yeah, sometimes the albums are great. Sometimes they're Robbie Williams, the ego has landed, and people complain on Twitter. You know, that's something we'll have to figure out as we go along. And we have our buddy Jason was texting. It was, you know, he's being nice about it, but he was kind of shitting on us for doing a Robbie Williams album. And he was coming from a good place. And my response to him was, fuck that guy. <laughs> that's what my internal. Model. Internal, right, right. But my, my public response was basically when Bob and I cooked up this idea. For the podcast, the idea was to revisit everything from our past, um, uh, both the good and the bad, and um, and apologies to Great Britain because any album that has Angels, the greatest song of the past twenty five years, song you want to be buried to, can't be that bad. But right. uh, if it turns out if the listener doesn't want to hear these type of albums, if you don't want to hear Throwing Copper by Live, let us know. Let us know. We're still figuring this out. We're open. Um, you're wrong. But we're open to like learning and, you know, evolving as this goes on. If you want to just like us to go through each of the Led Zeppelin albums, is that what this podcast is supposed <laughs> to be? Just high five each other about our awesome musical taste the whole time. We could do that. Also, like, let's I just want to be honest, Bob, you know, like I'm on a legitimately successful podcast. I've heard this is a fledgling podcast. Right. Right. This is barely, barely moving the needle. Yeah. You have a job. Right, full you're, time. You're a hotshot guy in Hollywood making things move. Right. Making things move. I don't, I don't know, know what, what that, that means. means. What does that mean? Am I, that means Uber driver. You basically imply that I'm I'm driving an Uber. No, Bob, you're doing very well. The, my point is we're just doing this for fun. So Of course. If we want to talk about Robbie Williams, back off. Skip the episode. And <laughs> no, we'll no, get no, to no, Led no, Zeppelin 4. Don't skip the episode. Oh. But, you know, like go on the ride with us because we're not going to love it. We're not telling you that this oh, is the okay. best album of all time. And because we liked it when we were 19... <laughs> You have to like it now. Go listen. Way to bring me back, Bob, because I was just about to tell the listeners to go fuck themselves. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell that's where you're headed. We're not We're not there yet. Anyway, you, yeah. So you can, uh, tell, you can tell your other listeners that, and they'd probably stick it out, but we, we're, we're building a bond with our listeners. So yeah. We can't do that yet. We're working on that. Yes. Um, yeah. I Yeah. So we got some negative feedback uh for robbie williams talking about that but we got some good feedback too i feel like we got good feedback robbie williams got negative feedback i feel like in general it's a good way to look at it yeah i you know i like to look on the bright side of things i feel like our our listeners you know enjoyed us hated the fact that every few minutes we had to pump up the r dubs and just rock out (laughs) to lazy days lazy days We're counting on yeah. Like they're probably not going to enjoy that either. But I learned a lot from that podcast because our yeah. uh, listeners overseas came at us and let us know that, you know, Angels was like mom music. Yeah. And that the Brit Awards, you know, we can't really go by that, even though I'm sorry, guys, you guys, it happened. It happened. An, ex- an example of a tweet, this one from Peter Thompson. And there is no excuse to be listening to this at at 19 in college. Robbie was for your mom, not for you. 
Right. We didn't know that. So here's that's a not, segue. That's not, that's not what Kurt Loder said. <laughs> not for you. Let's Ooh. talk Pearl Jam. Nice. That was a great segue. Eh, it was all right. It was a little not, on the nose. Not the album we're talking about. Yeah, it could have been better. Uh, so consider corrective steering. We want to come back, you know, let everyone know that we haven't completely, uh, you know, lost it. We we want to do albums. Uh, but also, we're not going to kowtow to the man on this. We love Pearl Jam. Right. Uh, another one of the shared bands of Bob and I, uh, for Bob and I. And we're going to talk about the first Pearl Jam album, 10. Because... Wow. Segways, segways abound. This is our tenth episode. Yeah, how about that? We how about it. that? We did it. I didn't get. So you guys have a lot to look forward to. Uh, three hundred and one episodes <laughs> from now, when we just rock out to three eleven. Can't wait till our three eleven pod. It's gonna be great. I'm very guys. excited about that. I didn't hear from Headgum, by the way. Uh, and maybe, maybe it will happen now that I think about it. After the tenth episode publishes, then they'll reach out to us and say, "Hey, guys." Congratulations. Lucky number 10. Yeah. You, you, did it. you guys are really flying. Anyway. <laughs> love well, you, HeadGum. Love you. Love you guys. HeadGum just ce- celebrated its uh, second anniversary. So, you know, that's cool. Um, <laughs> that's a great sell. <laughs> no, it's good. It's no, good. Obviously. Check it out. HeadGum has a lot of great stuff on the network. Uh, all right. Now, Bob. Yes. Let's get into what we're going to talk about today. Pearl Jam 10. Uh, this one, this is about, I would think, as early as we gonna go, we're going to go on the show, but you never know, because uh, I think we're going all the way back to the beginning of the 90s, aren't we? We're going back to August 1991. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. We were we were babes. I was going to say that we didn't even have like uh, hair on our nuts at that stage, but you had a full, full pubic region already. <laughs> yeah, at 11, at 11, please. I, I was grooming that thing for like, years by on. that point. You were flying at that stage. <laughs> Jewish and Italian. It was just nonstop trimming from the age of seven on. It was your cross the bear. Bob. I probably did have a mustache. Like, no joke. You did, but you had underarm hair at 11, right? At 11? No, yeah. I don't think I had it. At oh, really? What's 11? Like fifth grade? No, no I don't it's think like so. sixth grade. Yeah, the fifth or sixth yeah, grade. Yeah, no, I don't think I had underarm hair. Okay. So full, jump, but jump you were right. Full bush, though. Full bush. Yeah. I started there. <laughs> It was like it was like a. Tree you had a very weird body. Weird in body. That sense. Yep. Uh, we're very happy you weren't taken by the government to be tested. I was. Oh, but okay, let's talk about what happened in August. You don't 19- want to stick with the pubic talk uh, for your eleven-year-old. In Bob? August, nineteen ninety-one, Bob's pubes. No, that's not what we're going to lead with. Um, what was happening, Bob, in August of nineteen ninety-one? Well, when we go all the way back to August ninety-one, uh, we're going to the month that the Super Nintendo Entertainment System was released in mm. the United States. Mm. Now, were you, I can't remember, were you SNES or Sega? Uh, I was not, none of the above. You didn't have either? No. I was I was like, I don't know what it was. I guess for whatever reason, I my parents didn't think of that was essential, and maybe I just didn't go nuts asking for one, so I just stuck it out with Nintendo and played at my friend's house and then eventually got back in with uh, infamously with Sega Saturn a few years later. I had no idea your parents hated you. I know. Kinda- Actually... It is a little striking to me because I love Nintendo. Right. They kind of maybe I was maybe they weren't doing too well at that stage financially. I don't know. I'll have to talk to them about. Yeah, that. and I, I do want to follow up on this because that was big. very normal to get the SNES. Or it was the one or Genesis. the other. Yeah, it was like the next logical step from Nintendo. Maybe they hated me. They might have hated you. Huh. Did Kevin get it? Did your little brother get it at no, any point? Okay, no, he didn't get it either. Okay, so maybe they hated all of you dark, guys. Dark childhood, apparently. <laughs> Who knew? That's now just coming to to surface. Oh for man, me. this is going to turn into therapy. What else? What um, else happened besides that horrible thing in my life? Well, for the record, I was a Sega Genesis guy. 
Uh, You're also a Sega CD guy. I, I was recall. a Sega CD guy. See, this is what you come from. Your parents lived in separate homes. They got divorced. You had Hanukkah and Christmas. So you had a lot of different path- pathways to get. Are you trying? Wait, are you trying to therapy me because you're just you're just deflecting from what was just happening over there? So now you're talking about my parents' divorce. Broken home, broken home, broken home. Man, I'm very petty and vile. No, I know. All right, now, now I'm now I'm just shattered from. I'm this. just saying you were pretty plugged in in that era. Wait, what did that have to do with it? I, no, you had Genesis and Sega right. CD. Sega CD was yeah when when the ill-fated Sega CD came out, that was a Christmas present. Right. From my, par- you, you know, from my parents, from my parents to prove they love me because they separated. So it all it all it all worked out for <laughs> That's me. That's what I was getting. Yeah, at. yeah, no, it was a win for me. Yeah, all yeah, along. Yeah. Uh, also that month, Mikhail Gorbachev resigned as the head of the USSR Communist Party. That was big. That was big. Remember, <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember. Uh, you know too much the news at that point because i was still coping with my parents divorce but <laughs> well you had because you had the berlin wall in 89 of course of course and then we didn't know what what was going on obviously but gorbachev was a big deal in the 80s he was in like every snl skit don't forget about back the, to the future too yes i mean the birthmark right. of course naked gun naked gun famously seen <laughs> leslie nielsen wipes the birthmark off his head and says i knew it <laughs> which is great great comedy <laughs> anyway, smart he, comedy yeah. so he's and then boris yeltsin repl- became president of russia all right let's not this. you don't have to show off like, we're, not, we're not going to get too into that right what else? now and uh let's talk about the movies that came out in august 91 terrible movies came out that month straight up terrible movies 1991 was kind of weird in general yeah i mean it was still basically the 80s at that point but yeah uh, Barton Fink was probably the only good movie that came out that month. The other movies, Double Impact, Return to the Blue Lagoon, which I remember was like a, what a mess. constantly repeated on uh, Showtime back in the day. Pure Luck, starring Martin Short and Danny Glover. S- saw it in the theaters, loved it. Good for you. And this movie. Okay, okay, question. Beverly Hills, the most beautiful women in the world. Plastic <laughs> surgery. What do these three things have in common? Me in less than a week. Doc Hollywood. Doc Hollywood. Wow. I did not know if you were going to get that. Uh, I know it because I do remember like the scene of his love interest coming out of the lake in a bikini of some kind from the trailer. No, I think she was topless, topless. in the movie. Yeah. Uh, also, I know from an interview I heard somewhat recently, I think, on uh, on Stern... Uh, that set, Bob, is when Michael J. Fox found out that he had Parkinson's. Oh, uh, wow. Not to bring things down, but. <laughs> You're really bringing things down tonight. <laughs> and also, it wasn't that your parents didn't love you. It was just that they didn't love each other as much anymore. No, That's no, they, I... they, that was very evident yeah, when yeah, they yeah, separated, of it course. Didn't mean, it didn't mean that. Right, but, all, but also me. Uh, so that was um, Doc Hollywood, which I remember seeing in a drive-in movie theater. Because I am 103 years old. Was it Route 303? No, this was in, uh, we were in Pennsylvania on one of those vacations my dad took me to to remind me that, you know, he does still love me a little bit. Um, it's a weird episode. <laughs> I mean, we're going way back to 91. It's a whole whole new ball game, different yeah, ball yeah. game. Very and different. Uh, let's talk about the number one song in America. Not in a single Persian Gulf reference so far in this. I guess August, it was kind of a down month. It was kind of winding down, I think. By I guess point. so, Maybe yeah. Because on the two websites I looked at to <laughs> to find three tidbits of information, okay. uh, there was nothing. What else, Bob? Let's talk about the number one song in America. Oh, this is my... This deal. is your jam. Here we go. Here it comes. This was it, guys. One, the number two. one song in America. Hey, here it comes. Now, this breaks format. I think we should play the entire thing in slow dance. <laughs> 
There is no song that takes me back to seventh grade slow dancing more than this one. Look into talking so I can lower the music. Okay, so this is Brian Adams. This, Bob, was the anchor single on what soundtrack? Whoa. I was about to say Robin Hood, but that's not right. That's the other one. Robin Hood. It is, it is Robin Hood? Oh, yes. oh, thank God. Anyway, the, yeah, you allude to this. So we were, you know fifth grade or whatever when this, yeah. when this song came out middle school for our weird um school district middle school started in fifth grade so we were like at that next level hanging out with sixth and seventh graders it was called middle school some people have junior high uh but so we didn't start going to dances until sixth grade but this song was still being regularly played by dj howie at the uh at the school dances in sixth and seventh grade even eighth grade because it was a big hit i mean brian adams he's you know Overrated, in my opinion. Is he though? Yeah. Does anyone even? T- is he rated? Think about is he Brian on the Adams board anymore? at all? Like I don't know. I do like my favorite Brian Adams story. It has nothing to do with Brian Adams. It's the story that Ryan Adams uh, kicked out a fan at one of his concerts for asking him to play Heaven or something. Right. They were yelling. Ryan Summer Adams. Ryan Adams had to face a lot of adversity in his career, and it was mostly people <laughs> yelling, "Play Heaven." <laughs> play everything I do and different Brian Adams songs at him, but he survived. And all the people that reached out to us, by the way, we're way plugged in on Ryan Adams going after uh, the strokes. That was so crazy. uh, Making the, the fat joke at Julian Casablanca's expense. Yeah. Who got you strung out on lasagna, which is an all time line. Writing good songs or something. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So is that directly because of our podcast? Yes, Yes. probably. Anybody that hinted at that? Very clear. Anyway, so there you go, Bob. That is that's everything in uh, August of 1991. A different, different world. Different I mean, world. So far back. And then, uh, and then this came. We weren't even friends, by the way, in 1991. No, no. This is the first podcast that predates our friendship. All right, here it comes. Let's listen. To this. Jim, the debut album by Pearl Jim, a band uh, that, uh, I mean, it's a very short list, Bob, for the most important bands of the 90s, and Pearl Jam is in that conversation, and a lot of it has to do with this album, starting with this song. This album sold how many copies, Bob? Just guess. 10 million copies. 15 million copies. Wow. Starting with once. Whoa. So Pearl Jam is one of my all-time favorite bands. Uh, The first band that I was, like, obsessed with as a kid. 
like buying buying circus magazine or you know any magazine they were on the cover of i would find and seek out to like learn more about them uh i really went all in on pearl jam with verses that was like my favorite pearl jam album yeah that's kind of more when they got on my radar too because i think it was just me being me being 11 when this came out versus being 13 when verses came out was a big difference but this album just kind of i mean everybody knows what happened with pearl jam and nirvana the way it changed music no but what happened yeah there was a thing it was like a movement not aware of any yeah yeah it was it was a thing uh but there was no way to avoid it and this album was everywhere in 1991 and 1992 and then it just kept going off to the races um and the whole story i don't know there's an excellent documentary that that coincided with uh pearl jam's 20th anniversary i think it was uh that you could probably track down but how fluky this all was that the members of pearl jam besides eddie vetter were in a different band called mother love bone that was kind of a, a rising band in seattle then the singer ODs, he's right. a heroin addict. Uh, the rest of the band still together. Then there's a surfer guy down in San Diego named Eddie Vedder, who somehow through a twist of fate they get in touch. They, I think he got their like he got a tape of theirs. Like they tape, sent him a yeah. tape with just the instrumentals, and then he just recorded and he vocals blew them away. over it and sent it back, and that was it. And that was it. And literally a short time after that. Uh, the album's out and I think the album actually was like a slow burner initially uh, but then by 1992 and that I do remember that because that they were it was huge it was what's the videos and they didn't do a lot of videos and we'll get to some of the videos as we as we go along uh, in fact we could even uh, move on to track two uh, which is one of one of the more uh, memorable uh, videos by Pearl Jam it is even flow So like, you know, even flow, the video with the better was like in full on rock god status, where he's in the he's performing in this club and he's climbing the rafters. Oh yeah, climbing the rafters. That was the coolest thing I'd ever seen in my life at that point. He was a he was a pretty pretty cool rock god of his time. Oh yeah, everything about him was just like authentic and cool. Um, this song. Did this song age okay? You know what? This song, if you turn on rock radio right at this moment, it's playing. And I feel like it's the song I'm never excited to hear anymore because it's just, it's never stopped being played for the last the 30 course. years. I, I say that because when I listen to this song now, there does seem to... They always had kind of some of the noodling, that heavy metal, like, end of the 80s, early 90s. I could hear some of the guitar, the noodling. Noodling. Not that they were, by any stretch, you know, in the warrant, poison, you know... Late you like that squeal right there? Like that yeah, kind of that thing? that kind of stuff. It, it does sound of its time. 
I, I would say of this song, there are songs, this is one of the most popular Pearl Jam songs. Right. Uh, but it is not my favorite. And in fact, as time has passed, it feels a little more dated almost every time I hear it. That's interesting. I, I feel like, yeah, I just think it's been one of the more overplayed songs on the radio for decades now. But it is the song that gave us the Eddie Vedder character. Like, this is the... Herder, 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 herder. Like the Adam Sandler, <laughs> the Adam Sandler impression of Eddie Vedder came from this song. Yeah, and like anybody who does a bad Eddie Vedder impression, this is it. I like, think that's certainly fair. Like when we went to um, Vermont together, not just you and I, not just you and I. That would be adorable. Uh, when a bunch of people went to, or just one way to put it, one way to put it. Yeah. Uh, when a lot of us went to Vermont together, and we ended up at the ski lodge for the day, and there was a guy who was like the entertainment at the ski lodge. Do you remember this guy? Yes. And he would just, the most, he would just do impressions of, he had a guitar and he would do like Madonna and Michael Jackson, like the most cliche impressions ever. He threw on a wig at one point and did Eddie Vedder. Oh my God, I remember that guy. And that was his most like up-to-date reference in 2005 when we went. And uh, whenever. Like when they they say- This was the song he did. When they say, oh, that guy's a cat skills comedian. That guy, like, bombed out of the Catskills, yeah. so they sent him to Vermont. They sent him further away <laughs> from New York City. So, But I understand, like, and, and the whole Cobain-Vetter um, relationship has gone down in lore. Cobain openly dissed uh, Pearl Jam and, and shit on their music and, and basically hated being lumped in with Pearl Jam, which if you're not of that, if you're not old enough to remember, that sounds crazy now because now Pearl Jam are seen as, like, these elder statesmen uh, these guys that you would think were always loved and respected, but there was a contingent of people and Kurt Cobain became the voice of that, that hated Pearl Jam and thought they were kind of cheesy. And I feel like even flow to me is that I feel like I'm burying even flow, but I kind of get why a Kurt Cobain would think they were a little on the cheesy side and not as authentic as, uh, you know, an Allison chains or, or early Soundgarden. Mm, I just think that was coming from a place from Kurt Cobain not that he wanted to be the most popular guy in the world, but oh, like, I don't think Kurt Cobain wanted to be very. He popular. definitely made that clear. But Pearl Jam was way bigger than Nirvana, and so I'm yeah. sure he didn't like being lumped together. But it must also suck being lumped together and being second place in that lump. Well, this was an interesting time too, though, because uh, this album blew up. Never mind, by Nirvana blew up also. This out, I would, I don't know. This album might have sold more copies than Nevermind. Uh, but Pearl Jam really, when they started to really get lap Nirvana was a couple years later when uh, Versus came out versus, uh, I'll take one there too, Bob. Versus, versus In Utero and Versus went nuts and had hit singles on it. At this point, they were kind of equally popular, but pe- people don't remember that. Here we go. People fail to, re- a lot of people don't remember that. Um, Pearl Jam was much bigger than Nirvana right. before Kurt Cobain died. Then things changed. Yes, and now they're just they they obviously are remembered differently now. They took two different paths, and we're gonna keep playing this album. Right here's alive. Lot of hits on this album. This is the most played album on alternative and rock radio. Yep, ever. So something like that. And deservedly so. Not at all. Hmm. I, I don't know. Really 
This song is on my Pearl Jam Mount Rushmore. It's gotta be. It has a great buildup and an absolute monster chorus. Here we go. I think also bothered Kurt Cobain this shit is so catchy and it's instantly it has an instant hook it, it's not something like we talked about Radiohead a couple weeks ago how you ha- kind of have to do a little work to really understand what makes the songs great this song was all these songs were built for the radio and I think there were, some people would say that's a little on the nose and blah 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 I say that's bullshit I love it they just came out of the gate saying we're going to write this big anthemic grunge rock music that's going to connect with the masses. And it's kind of shameless on some level, but I, think, I love it. I think you could not be more wrong with what you just said. Ooh. Everything you just said was just straight up dog shit. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't writing rock at an- grunge anthems. There was no such thing at the time. They weren't writing. There was nothing like this on the radio when they were making this. This was not radio rock at the time. This was completely authentic to what they were doing. Like they were just making this kind of music and the world found it and this became the next big thing. Counterpoint, fuck face. <laughs> um, this is like almost 70s classic rock. No, it obviously there's. it's not like they're inventing rock and roll. There's influences from the 70s. Is, but the radio in 1991, when they put this out, this was not a radio song. No, there was, it's no, there's, nothing, there's no connective tissue to what was popular immediately before it. But they by no means were writing music that was reinventing the wheel. They were just... Didn't take, say they were reinventing the wheel. What I said was they were... Like you're saying they were just shamelessly inserting themselves into like pop music. Not even close. They became pop music. Right. No, I give it. No, I totally get that. So and I, fuck you. <laughs> but what I'm what I'm saying is is that they weren't reinventing the wheel in the sense that they they instead of doing like the cheesy type Motley Crue rock and roll, they were doing something that was more true to them and and was a different sound. So I'm not saying it wasn't original music, but it also was coming from a different era that kind of predated what was immediately before them. I think they're connected to like the seventies. Well, yeah, they, they're big. They've, you know, wore their who influence on their sleeve. Right. Neil Young, like all that stuff. Like they definitely paid homage to like the people before them, but it was just a 1991. There was nothing like this. They were, you know, existing at the same time as Nirvana and a lot of other grunge bands, but like, Alive becoming a big radio song, like there's no way they could have been like this is a single. Where where Cobain was unfair to Vetter, yes, was because Nirvana got the they got the respect of music hipsters because they had the punk. It was more the punk kind of background to a lot of their their history. Right, Eddie Vetter was talking about the Who, and Kurt Cobain right. was talking about the Pixies, and. But the truth of the matter is, and Kurt Cobain didn't run from this, is that he was also influenced heavily by the Beatles and, and so and very, you know, that Beatles are the ultimate pop music. Who? 
yeah, there have been. We'll get to them. No, we probably won't actually. Yeah. Unless you want to do the Beatles anthology and just do Free as a Bird fourteen <laughs> times. <laughs> I'll do that. <laughs> Could be interesting. That was unavoidable. But Kurt Cobain was he was writing catchy melodies too, but he he was doing it in a more of a kind of a, a slicker way. Pearl Jam was just like, we're here, we're making fucking badass songs that are catchy and fun to listen to. That's what I kind of mean. I okay. I like that they weren't they weren't trying to pretend what they weren't. They they were trying to make songs that would get played on the radio. In my opinion, no, you disagree. Mm, I disagree with that. Let's listen to the next one. Okay. I don't know. Uh... Hang on, hang on. I kind of I'm a little bummed we missed the end of the live, which was it's great. Incredible. The whole song, the whole song's great. But it has that build in the end, mm-hmm. and I love it. Here we go. The next track is called "Why Go." Here's a ridiculously obscure fun fact, Bob. Okay. What is interesting about the track name Why Go on 10 by Pearl Jam? There's not a question mark? No. It is the only song on the album that has that is not a one-word title. Oh, wow. All right. Every song. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, they cheat with even flow, making that one word. Here we go. Let's yeah. This song made me nervous because of that stupid fuck line that if my mom walked in while I was listening to it, she would take the <laughs> album away because I was 11. I like the chorus here. I was only 12 when I got this. Oh, I love that. Um, yeah. You know what's funny is I actually never bought this album on my own. My dad had this album. Makes sense. Um, his brother... Uncle Ed was kind of a a good source of uh, ear to the mainstream for my dad. Yeah. At that stage in the '90s, so every once in a while he would either get him uh, a popular act at the time for his birthday or, or whatever. And Pearl Jam 10 was one of them. So that's how I kind of once this album started taking off, probably he probably got it. You know, 45 year uncle, 44 year old uncles or whatever they were at this point are probably not getting it like the day after it came out. So he probably got it after Jeremy was huge. Right. So probably late 92 is probably when I took it out of my dad's CD case and brought it into my room and it kind of became my CD. Well, the summer of 92 is the summer that I became a fan of music, fan of rock music. Because I just remember all summer. It's a good time. It was a great time. And it was the three songs that were on MTV all summer long that just made me really pay attention were Jeremy. No Rain by Blind Melon and Crying by Aerosmith. <laughs> and like those were the three songs that were just on repeat. And that was like the classic Alicia Silverstone video. Oh, yeah. And by the end of that summer, I was like full into alternative music, Pearl Jam, the whole thing. It's so fun to be in retrospect when you first get into music at that age. You're allowed to have bad taste and, and have, have it be all over the map. Mm-hmm. And it's literally... 
I it kind of should stay that way with everybody, but then you kind of find your niche. But when you're like 12, it's literally anything that you like, anything that mm-hmm. sounds good to your ears, you give it's equal opportunity. So that's how uh, like a, a pop song from uh, CNC Music Factory could be next to Aerosmith, which could be next to like an Everclear song. I'm jumping around errors here, but you know what I mean? Like it's it's kind of fun at that age, because once you start to get a little older and more self-aware, you don't let yourself kind of be that way anymore. Right. Like two of the first five CDs I ever owned were Arrested Development and Color Me Bad. <laughs> you own the Color Me Bad? I own the but CD, then, like the whole album? Yeah, oh, the whole album, yeah. Wow. But then I traded it eventually to somebody for a Ramones album, so safe. Wait safe. a second. What? <laughs> Jeanette, our friend Jeanette in 1994. Ramones. Yeah, she had the Ramones, and I still have it. She had like the Ramones, not Greatest Hits or whatever it was. But uh, our friend Jeanette, whose house, yes, I do remember her. Whose house? Uh, my first kiss was in the treehouse behind her house. Yes, I was there. Yes, famously. Uh, she uh, she still liked Color Me Bad by that point, and uh, I didn't. I did not need them in my life anymore. So she had a Ramon CD, and that was the only good CD she had. So we made a we made a deal. That's pretty good. But you deal. weren't listening to the Ramones then, were you? No, no, no. But it, it was, was it's still in retrospect one of the great heists of all time. Yeah, yeah. I definitely traded up on that one. It's but. like the Yankees selling Babe Ruth to the or the Red Sox selling Babe Ruth to the Yankees. Yeah, and I know I know you're you want to make fun of me for just trying to get cred for the Ramones. <laughs> I didn't like it. It was just no, like, I know. No, right. I right. was just making sure if you would have said like, No, no, I did like it and I listened to it and all, then, then I would have went in for the and kill. Then I found the Ramones <laughs> and just became awesome. <laughs> Well, that's good. That was a good job, Bob. Okay. Anyway, next song. Next track. uh, All right. This next track. I just want to preface this one by saying this is the most meaningful track for bros of an entire generation. Yep. Here we go. Does it make me a bro that this is one of my favorite Pearl Jam songs ever? We'll get into that in a second. Okay. Because we might be bros. Are we bros? No, we're not bros. We're on the higher end of the scale. But we might. But we still fall into the bro bro zone. We're kind of bros, bro. I will say our friend. uh, We'll get into it after this. Hold on. You don't sell 15 million copies of an album without having something for the ladies, too. I feel like this was the song that kind of... And I don't even know. Was it even a single? I don't even know. But it became as big as any of the... The, the popular songs on some level, at least on radio as years progress. Yeah, there wasn't a video for this, but this was a very popular radio song. But, it, wait, are you implying that this is like a ballad? When oh, you this say, is like one of the ultimate ballads of the 90s. Yeah, but it's not like a love song when you say like something for the ladies. You know what I mean, though. It's not this like, is like a dark song. You, you say ladies can't be into a dark song? I can, but when you call them ladies in the first place, you know why it is? Because it's a song that brings the feels. It's like it's kind of it's a low key song. 
it's a heavy. So song. what you're saying, ladies can't enjoy high key songs? As no, songs they kind of pick up the. It's nice and it's a mid to slow tempo uh, ballad type song to me. That this is the one that like if you brought I I wasn't even close to having a girlfriend <laughs> at this time in the '90s or really any time in the '90s. <laughs> but what I can say is that if I were to have a girl. Uh, and be at a Pearl Jam concert in 1992. This is the we would look at each other when the start the song started playing. It's that type of song. All right, no, I, I get what you're saying. I mean, you, maybe you're like headbanging. Even flow comes on, and you and your girl looking at each other. Me and her, uh, me and uh, Janice. It's gonna be, uh, it's gonna be black. Me, well, me and young Janine Garofalo, Reality Bites era Garofalo would have been rocking out to this whole album together. That's and a then, good question. Who what, your number one dream girl of '92 to be at a Pearl Jam concert with? Who would that be? But an accessible dream girl, not like oh, I'd be with Kathy Ireland. It would have to be someone. Wait, Janine Garofalo was accessible to a twelve-year-old in nineteen ninety-two. <laughs> no, but like you're imagining yourself, you're aging yourself up, and like the best version of yourself is a nineteen-year-old or something. But you're twelve. All right, hold on, I have to do the math. So I'm a nineteen-year-old. Yeah. You're in... thinking of yourself as a like being a little bit older and with like a girl. Like I'm thinking of my. I'm thinking right now, Winona Ryder, Reality Bites. Yeah, I mean that's the that's the classic. Did my cousin Vinny come out yet? Yes, it then was right Mar- around this time. Marissa yeah. Tomei. Tomei. See, now we're being bros. You're making us being bros talking Why? about we're talking about like girls in the '90s that we want to make out to a Pearl Jam song. Listen, we are bros. Are we bros? Kind of bros, but that's okay. You know, bros has a negative cano. Bros is pretty negative. <laughs> our friend, our good friend Howie, who listens to the pod. Um, I asked him to, for some constructive feedback, and he said, uh, "You know, he loves everything we're doing, but we can get a little broy sometimes." That's what I'm saying. All right. Now, I, I, what I'm saying also is that this isn't like, "Oh, we're going to go make out in the balcony." It's I'm having like this vision of who who you would want to be like holding hands with during black. Uh, my wife. <laughs> See how he's in your head, now. like a twelve-year-old version of my wife. <laughs> how he got in your head? Now how he's in my head? Girls anymore? How he's in my head? Um, no, I said, I said Marissa Tomei, for Tomei. sure. My cousin Vinny. Yeah, Vinny era Tomei. So yeah, I think Black. This is the song. This what's so crazy about this album? I, I don't want to. No spoilers for what we haven't listened to yet. But even flow alive, Black. Yeah. Are absolute tent poles of any modern rock station when they play songs the older songs this album i mean i guess it makes sense the matter of albums it's sold but the these songs have never gone away which is crazy well it's not like throwing copper which we you know did too much fanfare that sold 8 million copies and now it's kind of made fun of or whatever this sold twice as many copies and it's still on the radio constantly but that's not necessarily a given either. Like, for instance, I think the Hootie and the Blowfish album sold the same amount. No, and that's, that's the point. That it's like it doesn't matter how many you sell. Like, just yeah. because they sold 15 million, like, these songs are timeless now. Like, they're, they're going to be playing forever. Uh, let's see. Track one, two, three, four, five. Track six. Uh, this is the song that really took Pearl Jam into the stratosphere.
did Howie give any examples of why we were growing? Bob? I don't think so. Wait, he said you could be a little bro-y sometimes, and you just took it at face value? Let me find out. Let me let me look at exactly what he said. Hold on. We're really going to dive into this. Our insecurities. This guy, this asshole. See, Howie is my former roommate. That's right. Manhattan. So I feel like we need to have more details in this. Let me pull this up while we listen to Jeremy. All right, go ahead. Talk about the video while I do this. Yeah, it's all right. What do you mean it's all right? It won like every <laughs> every award the year it came out. Mark Pellington directed it, Bob, released in 1992. <laughs> Gained quite a bit of uh, notoriety. Uh, Amazing fact recall you have. Yeah, regular uh, rotation on MTV. A simulated suicide by a, a young boy, a harmless little fuck, who uh, killed himself in front of a classroom. I thought when I saw the video for the first time, uh, that he was killing the, his classmates But no It was that boy's own blood on the children In the classroom Did I buy enough time for you? No because I can't remember what, like how he messaged me There's so, <laughs> there's, You know what Dan there's too many apps nowadays Was it a Facebook message Was it on Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I do also remember Seeing some t-shirts um, In our school Because the Single cover art which I think they used in other for maybe tour stops or T-shirts was a young child holding a gun. Yeah, yeah, that was a big deal. That was a big deal at the time. Uh, Hold on, now now's a good time for me. Uh, can I tell you to go fuck yourself again right now? <laughs> yes. Just before we started this, yeah, you looked at uh, we have a bunch of the uh, old CDs here in Dan's garage right now. Yeah. You pointed to the cover of Ten. Yeah. Pointed to the hands yeah. reaching up, and said it was. Corny, yeah, a little corny. Fuck you. It's a little broy. That's not broy. That's literally fucking... there's seven bros <laughs> with their hands all together, pointing to the sky. Dude, you talk about football for a living. <laughs> These guys put their hands on each other in the middle of a circle every Sunday. You know who's disgusted by that album cover? Kurt Cobain. <laughs> he hated that album cover. He had a naked baby dick on his album cover. Come on. Also, if you open up the CD, I remember it, it, then it showed the entire band. It kind of opened up into a big Pearl Jam poster. Yeah, it was fucking cool. The kids today, they don't realize that it was cool to have uh, CDs. You go through the, the photo books. What a fun time. All right. I found that asshole Howie's message. Okay. What did you say? All right. So um, I messaged him. Any constructive feedback on the pod would be much appreciated. We're recording a new one tonight. Mm-hmm. Howie's response. Mm-hmm. Nice. I love it, but I'm biased. In terms of constructive feedback, <laughs> sometimes you guys get very into guy humor. I laugh, but I wonder if some women would be turned off by it. Parentheses, if you care. Is he referring to fire dick? No, this was pre-fire dick. Pre-fire dick. Wow, you must have pre- opinions even more dick. ingrained now, probably. Uh, he then, like later in the conversation, said, I would love to hear Dan try to defend some of you two's flops. So that's something that Howie wants in the future. Okay. All right. So you didn't really... No, I guess I didn't, I didn't, really, put, I didn't, really, I didn't really press him on it, but now I feel like... <laughs> Here's the other thing about... Um, Jer- so Jeremy, huge hit, obviously. More of a video hit uh, than a radio hit uh, at the time. Um, the B side, 
The B-side might be the best Pearl Jam song. Yellow Ledbetter? Yeah. Yeah. It's one of the best Pearl Jam songs. Another another mainstay of modern rock radio. I wonder if um wonder if they have a lot of regrets not putting that on 10 because imagine if 10 we talked about New York City cops with the strokes that getting left out and how that was a bummer. But imagine leaving Yellow Ledbetter off your debut album when you had it in the chamber. I feel like I've heard the story of why, but I can't remember it right now. They must have had a reason. All right, let's um I feel like we short shrifted Jeremy a little bit, but because we t- spent most of it talking about Howie. Yeah, what's his problem? What's that guy's problem. <laughs> good guy, good guy, Howie. Uh, no, I love Howie. Love you, buddy. If you don't like it, turn it off. <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> all right, next song. Anyway, let's move on. Here we go. Oh, geez. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not one of the most popular songs in the album, but this song takes me back to being like a 13, 14 year old, just figuring out, you know, just discovering music. And this song, this is the one where like teenager Danny was like in the room listening to this over and over again and just like overthinking everything. You're just like, just going to listen to Pearl Jam. Wonder why I don't have a Sega Genesis <laughs> and just, you know, just be here now. It's just, I, I really, I just really like this song. I don't even know. I've, no, me seen, too. I've seen Pearl Jam once. It was about 10 years ago. We saw them in the Meadowlands in Jersey. I don't know if he plays this. They have such a varied set list with their tours. I'm sure he had, it's been a part of the tour set list over the years, but I would love to hear this song. Live. Yeah. Pearl Jam for me at this point, we saw them together. That was the only time I saw them. Uh, as well they just have too many songs now where I know if I go see them in concert it's not going to be like I wish I saw them after Vitology you know like yeah. it's too young but I wish that was when I saw them we now, saw them at that comeback album they had right uh, with the avocado on the cover yeah which was a good album to see them but yeah, still what album. you're saying is a good point like, I like when bands do the thing that Weezer did where they're like, we're going to do a tour and only play the Blue Album on one day and Pickerton on the other or whatever. Like, that's... I would love for every band to do that. If you have an album that's important enough or beloved enough, it's kind of... I kind of... I actually thought about that recently because I just saw um, you two do the Joshua Tree, which is... Bob, you should you should look into this band. You too. Yeah. They got some big albums. Actually, in 1991, the Act Baby came out. But um, this is only kind of a new thing, a newer thing. Like I know Springsteen did it about five years ago as well when he was playing full albums. This should have always been a thing. Should have always been a thing. Like if you have a album that was a big hit or uh, it like connects with a lot of people, the idea of going on tour like on a 10 year anniversary, 20 year anniversary. 
30 year anniversary playing the whole album and then putting hits or other beloved songs around that full album play that's the, one of the best concert experiences we you saw have. pete yorn do it for uh music for the morning after yep the iconic that's what i mean it doesn't have to be right, like a huge hit yeah. album but if it has a really fervent fan base it's one of the most fun concert experiences because not only do you get the other songs that you enjoy from the guy or the act you also get like the deep cuts of the album that you fell in love with so oceans would be played how fun would that be that'd be amazing all right next track coming up it is uh another one word track bob what the fuck is this world to you didn't leave a message at least i could have learned your voice one last time daily mind you this could be my time by you would you hit me would you hit me I feel like what puts this into like top 10 of the 90s category for me for albums is not those songs that you hear on the radio all the time, but songs like this. Not Absolutely. as popular, not a single, uh, but a really great, like fun rock song. I love it. It's catchy. It's It's got a great like groove to it. Ooh, that segues perfectly into what I wanted to get into. I feel like we may have upset let let our people down our fans down with oh, i don't a, like this with angels last week robbie williams because you know we have our spotify playlist where we pick one song from every album last week we, we picked angels because we felt obligated because it was the according to the uk it was for princess die let's be honest let's it was for princess die it was for <laughs> it was for Doty. it was for the people's princess it was for the people's Doty. princess and Doty. You know, we we picked one that we thought, you know, was meaningful. <laughs> and like, how do you go against the most popular song, or the best song in the last 25 years, sure. according to the UK? Um, so we kind Who of. Who the fuck are we? No, we're just two assholes in a garage. Yeah. So we went with that. And then just the the outpouring of uh, emotion from our UK listeners saying, you know, this is bad music and you guys made the wrong pick. You know, it was uh, it really it was really well, hurtful. We didn't so, get I will say this, we did not get to I don't want to interrupt your point, Bob, but it's not like they then said, Well, this is what you should have chosen instead. Of there were Angels. there were no good songs. <laughs> so it's like, you know, get off us if you're gonna do that, but go on, Bob. But I get it because like we've made an effort not to put like the number one single off of these albums mm-hmm. onto our playlist. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Angels we slipped and we did. So this week I would love to put a song on our playlist that is not one of the Pearl Jam singles from this album. I'm with you. I'll go flying that way. That's all. So yeah. we'll see. We'll see what happens. We've actually, yeah, we've done. <clears throat> Robbie Williams is kind of an outlier in the sense that like. Outlier in many ways. Yeah. We didn't really. Did he have any singles that were released there? I don't even know. So who knows? So it was like, we were just kind of saying whatever's the song we right, like. Cause the best. On, on this side of the pond. Uh, there's no, there's no Robbie Williams. There's no overplayed Robbie Williams. Exactly. Song in so you know, we didn't know we, that we, we didn't know we were making a bad pick. Um, you know what? I stand by the pick anyway. No, I don't was, care what anybody. It's says. the best song on the album, and the song I want to die to, the song I want to slip my wrists in a bathtub to, and then be buried to. <laughs> um, track nine, Bob. Here it comes. It's called 
Garden. Now, off the title alone, I don't remember it, but let's hear what it sounds like. Oh, yeah, yeah. Moody broke. Little moody, yep. Kind of a track nine song. I'm gonna say probably yeah. my least favorite song on the album. Yeah. It like I remember it, I do remember it as I hear it, but it's not I'm not being like blown away with joy right now visiting this one. Eddie, come on. Let's get to the course. <laughs> We're giving them the benefit of the doubt right now. What? That it's, it, it does. Oh, yeah. I do like this song. Hey, they did it. I like this song. But I like every single song of this song. Yeah, no, they're, they're all great. There you go. That's Garden. Let's move to the penultimate track. Uh, it is... Bob, it's another one one word track. No, I, I, I kind of figured that. I kind of assumed that since you said they all were, except for Wago. This song is called Deep. Deep. Some of that noodling again. Which they got rid of eventually. I do love this song. I got no love for this one. Here's a question I have for you, Bob. This is the 10th episode of the Throwback Podcast. Is this... Of the ten albums that we've talked about, your favorite? No, this is my second favorite. Probably. Strokes. Yeah. Yeah, this is my second favorite Pearl Jam album too. So, what do you have ahead of it? Versus, versus yeah, versus. By a good amount, or is it? Close? Yeah, by a good amount. Really? That was yeah. That was my only trepidation tonight. Was like, should we do versus first? Since I'm like. More We'll get to verses We'll get to it Yeah But yeah that's the one I'm the most plugged into And the one I have like The most Sort of attachment to Just from a time standpoint Yeah Versus kind of get Starts to get into the wheelhouse A little bit Yeah I don't know this song I don't think I ever heard this song <laughs> <laughs> Well your dad You know your dad does Your oh, dad was listening to this way plugged in on this one. He was a big fan of Deep <laughs> Track 10 on 10 It's a great song you're in on this one. I'm in on this one, yeah. Listen. Yeah. 
I'm in. I'm in. It's good. I'm happy you like it. Okay. We'll fade out. Let's get to the last track. Here we go. The final track. How many How many words in the title? 11 words. Whoa. No. Here we go. It's one word. It is release. Oh, yeah. talk about it every every podcast I feel like but always a sucker for the more kind of low key album closer and this song kind of straddles that line yeah because it picks up it does pick up uh, but it, it, very good album closer yeah Excellent absolutely, absolutely. is it their best album closer definitely better than the closer of Vitology Hey, Foxy, Mob Handle, Mama, that's me. <laughs> it could be. Yeah, it's... This is taking me back. Yeah. Does that feel. Um, it's interesting listening to this, you know, track by track right now, because there's so much happening in every song that's, you know... How do I explain this? There's like that that 80s rock that you're talking about, like that sort of noodling of the guitar that, you know, reminds you of like the, you know, 80s metal. And then there's the 70s influence, like the Who and that kind of stuff. There's also like a jam bandy thing happening to some of these songs. Like it makes sense that a lot of people I know who love Pearl Jam love Fish and like bands like that. Like they kind of check a lot of boxes. Just oh, in this sure. album alone. I mean, you can't sell as many copies. Like, I don't know if we'll ever do an album unless we, we really batten down the hatches and do Thriller one night. I don't know if we'll ever do... We'll probably do Alanis Morissette at some point. We'll probably hit Morissette. That did cross my mind. But that's when you sell 15 million copies of an album, it is connected with people in a way that I'm sure changed their lives forever, but keeps you kind of on the grid forever. I mean, that... That's a special type of album that can do something like that. And it's because, yeah, it does connect with so many people. Ten, man. Pearl Jam. They're good. They're good. I remember when I got into Pearl Jam, my uncle at the time when I was telling him what kind of music I liked was kind of shitting on everybody because I think the last time I had seen him, my favorite band was Onyx. (laughs) So this time I like came out to slam yeah slam it was it was all based on slam your uncle said what's your favorite artist and you said onyx i, I think i said onyx <laughs> back it to fuck up slam and then the next uh, time i saw him it was pearl jam and i remember he kind of scoffed and he was and i, I probably also said like Candlebox and three other bad sure. bands 
but he was like, you know, none of those none of those bands are going to be around in a couple of years. He kind of made a comment like that. Classic uncle stuff. Classic uncle stuff. So yeah. I love that uh, Pearl Jam went on to be one of the defining bands of the '90s and of our lives. Your uncle in 1994 was like, or 1992 was like. You want to do a real podcast, you do it on Led Zeppelin 4. <laughs> or probably the Eagles or something. Yeah. yeah. Eagles 71 to 75, greatest hits. But now... You showed him. Showed him. Showed him. <laughs> Me and Eddie showed him. Yeah, we have to do more Pearl Jam because I feel like we have to talk about how cool Eddie Vedder is. Yeah, we got to get and, to that. Yeah, there's a lot that we can get into. But, um, but right now, we need to pick one song to put on our Spotify playlist. And I'm going to let you throw one out there. All right. Well, like you said, we don't want to be basic here. I'm going to kind of work my way through this. So I'm okay. I'm not going to choose a single. Right. Don't want to choose a single. Which immediately cuts off half the album. I also, I am thinking about the throwback playlist, which is now long enough where I'm thinking about the pl- the flow of the playlist yep and we're coming off robbie williams angels and the song before that no surprises radiohead so a couple of slow slow. songs okay so i think we might be on the same page here bob i think so i am gonna go with as my choice porch porch fuck you (laughs) what were you gonna do yeah porch oh good it was between Porch and Why Go. So, yeah. Yeah, Porch. That was, right. that was one of my favorite songs when I had the album I as a kid. It. So that is going to be the song added to the Spotify playlist. That's a good one to add to them. You know what? I feel like we're getting our like cred back a little bit with that. A little bit. It right. says the F word. That's cool. You get the F bomb in there. I mean, you're coming to Angels, and all of a sudden here comes... This dude on a surfboard from San Diego dropping F-bombs? We're flying again. <laughs> All right, we're back, guys. We are back. Back on track. The Throwback Podcast. Um, all right, so yes, uh, check us out. Uh, check out the Throwback Podcast playlist on Spotify. Uh, there's some pirate playlists floating around as well if you if you, if you, if you want to use a different service. Yep. Uh, uh, it's all out there. Follow us on Twitter at ThrowbackPod. We'll tweet out the playlist. We tweet updates all week, all, all week long. Uh, please go to iTunes, rate us five stars, uh, leave a review. Don't be like, don't be like the one guy. Don't be guy. like Howie. Well, don't be like number one oh. Howie and number two. <laughs> we have like ninety reviews. Eighty nine of them are five stars. One guy was like, eh, fuck that guy. Don't be that guy. Five stars on iTunes. Yeah, that that would be very good. And also. We kind of we kind of pick these albums the night of that we uh, that we tape these, uh, but we are very open to um, taking uh, suggestions from the listeners. In fact, you know what might be a good idea, Bob? Yeah, we could take four options that we're thinking of. Maybe we want to do a poll. You think we're ready week? for a poll? Let's do a poll. All right. Let's see what the let's see how it works. And uh, and the listeners will give you four options. The one you choose is the one we'll do. All right. Next week. Bold. Exciting. Isn't I like it? it. It's exciting. So follow us at Throwback Pod. That's it. That's it. All Until right. Until next time, this is Dan Hansen signing off from my bosom buddy Bob Castrone. 
the Throwback Podcast. That was a HeadGum Podcast.